Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chickdays. We're honored to be sharing the stories of farms and homesteads that have been in the same family for more than 100 or 150 years. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. These families are getting together for breakfast on August 8th at the Wisconsin State Fair to celebrate. One of these farms belongs to Rosemary Simonson's family. Rosie is the fifth generation on her family's sesquicentennial farm called the Delbert Lynch Family Farm Trust. The 267-acre farm is three miles south of Browntown in Greene County. She tells me how it feels to be celebrating 150 years of farming in Wisconsin. I mean, we're super proud and excited that this is happening. And we've talked about it for years, let me tell you, and my family did. And so now for it to really be here, it's really neat. You really feel a part of America, maybe that's it, that we've been around that long. Can you tell me how your family acquired the farm? Well, they purchased it. My uh, great and great grandfather, it seems like they purchased together, kind of, or one bought it and the other bought The father bought it and the son bought it right away within a couple of years or something. But that would have been in 1873. My great great grandfather came from Ohio, Kashakin County, Ohio, in covered wagon and oxen with his family. And then he bought a farm two miles south of Browntown, and then in, that was in 1850. And then 1873, he bought with his son the farm that we're talking about now, the Thomas Lynch farm. Were there already buildings there? Did they have to put up buildings? What were they raising on the farm at, at that time? At that time in 1850, it was nothing but solid trees. So when you think about the fact that they had oxen and horses, and manpower to clear the land, and they had to clear the land. It was 80 acres. What they did was they cleared land apparently for a year or so, and then Thomas got married in 1874, and then they built a one-room home down by the creek. It was off. Let's see, there's a little creek that goes through the one end, and they were down there with the windmills, so they had water in that too. So that was the first place. And then, I don't know the exact, that was in 1874. Then it was the uh, middle 80s or so, they built the house and the barn up by the road at that time. So that, um, so you know, it was a big, pretty big barn, a pretty big house, actually. And then, later on in the years, I don't know if it was like 1920, they, the little house was still down there, and they moved it up onto the main part of the farm and made it into a shop. So my dad did a lot of welding there, and they also put a bump on each side, and, and it's still there. It's not in the best of shape, but we're working to save it, and we put a roofing and windows in and things. So anyway, we're going to keep that little bit of history that we have. Wow. So even after all these years, it's still one of the original buildings on the land. Yes. But Rosie, I imagine that the farm has probably seen a lot of changes over these 150 years. Do you want to walk through maybe some moments in history, early wars in the 1900s, you know, the Great Depression, any stories that you can share with us about what farming was like during those time periods? They had cows and milk and that, and of course they had horse-drawn, all their plowing and 
you know, manure spreaders and planters and combines, all those kinds of things for um, horse drawn. And so I've got pictures of some of that and what they did. We had a lot of hired men over the years because it was a lot of work. My grandpa had purchased them later on. We had the 80 acres and they purchased another 20 in the early 1900s. And then about 1938, they purchased another 140. So our farm is actually 267 acres and they farmed all that land. And they had a thrashing business that they would do for the other farms too plus their own. So I guess for about 35 years, they did thrashing for other people too. And with that, of course, they had a lot of hired men helping with all of that. So a lot of handwork versus what we have now to do. I know with the Depression and the wars and uh, things were money was tight, we had rationing, especially through the war. And so we had big gardens, and so you had a lot of food, and you had your hogs and chickens and so forth. And then we were also on a river, so we could fish and get fish. So we were well-fed compared to probably a lot of people. They all worked hard. I don't remember being hungry or anything like that. I mean, we had lots of food, and I guess I always say we had lots of love, too, in our family. It was very warm with my grandpa lived with us, too, and his sister was just three miles away down the road, and so we had a lot of family unity with all of that. Rosie, it sounds like you have a lot of fond memories growing up on the farm and not a lot of people today get to have that experience right do you want to tell us about some of the key highlights of your childhood or your youth that you remember on that piece of land well I guess there was always a lot of activity and there was always a lot of people coming and a lot of hired men my mom would make a big meal for all these men on a wood stove with no running water you went out to the pump and got your water and came back in and um, that's just how it was. I guess when I think about it, a lot of our um, things revolved around working. I mean, we had a huge garden. Dad would make this vegetable soup every year that we would can. And at the end, you would just start throwing all your vegetables in at the ending. And I just remember we even had rutabaga in our, in our soup, and it was really very good. So he would nickname that his end of the garden soup. Dad had a way, and Mom did, too, of making things fun. You worked hard, but you had fun, and you were together. And I think that was such a big, big important deal that, you know, we had with all of that. We always had lots of animals, so, of course, we were entertained with cows and horses and pigs and chickens. And I have a lot of warm stories we did, but I guess one of them as a little girl I still never got over, but, you know, you're doing you butchering your chickens and my aunt had you grab them by the feet you have your hot water there and you chop their head off and then dump them in the hot water i can still smell the chicken feathers <laughs> to be honest that's not smell but one chicken got away and no head on it it's just like the cartoons and it's jumping all over the place and so um it's funny now but at the time i was pretty horrified that, that was happening you grew up in a farm, and you just, um, that's just how things are, you know. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily a survival, I guess, is what I want to use is the word. But what we had really was a lot of interesting things, too. And I'm going to go way back. In 1909, my um, Thomas Lynch, the one that bought the farm, they purchased one of the first cars around in 1909, Hope Toledo. And he got it in Chicago. 
and he had to drive it home. There was no paved road, so it took him three days to come from Chicago to Browntown, which would normally now take us two and a half hours. So it gives you some concept of timing and how long things were. And I, there's another story I like to tell on my great aunt. Uh, she was a piano teacher, and so she would hook up her horse and buggies in the 1905 era, and she would go to people's houses and teach piano lessons for an hour. And she got nine cents an hour, and she got her supper. And that was her, you know, so you think that's how simple life was and how they made things work was always, uh, I guess we we learned how to put work ethic maybe is what I'm trying to say. I think we left off at around the, the 40s and 50s. Was it always a dairy farm? Did it go on to just cash crops? What about those next 50 years from around 1950 to 2000? How did the farm change? Yeah. It had been dairy and pigs and chickens and everything through um, 61. In 1961, they sold all the animals and everything, and then it went into the uh, then dead, and we farmed it for some, a few years, and then he went into the crop, hiring out, renting the land, and somebody else cropped it. We have a lot of good memories of working, and I was even 12, I think, and I was drifting and dragging with the case tractor, just like everybody else was, and um, so we spent some good years with that, and then, of course, when we all get out of school, you go your own ways, and that kind of ended that little part, and then Dad just had it rented out after that. So it would be half soybean and half corn. My grandpa did a little story one time for his 90th year, and he told the story. I don't remember that because I was younger, but he said they planted it one year all in soybeans, and that year soybeans were really selling high, which was $11.25 a bushel. And this was in the 1960s or 70s. I don't know which it is. I, I think late 60s. So they really made some good money off of that. They were pretty excited. But, that you know, now you split your crops and you do half and half. You don't plant all the same thing on them anymore. What is the farm today? The farm today, it's been pretty much cash rented for the last 45 years or so. So um, there's a house on there and the old barn, it was a big old barn. And that's part of what the economy thing, you know, the barn... The storm took it down about 10 years ago, but uh, it needed roofing, it needed work, and there just wasn't the money at that point to do some of that. So now there is a shed up there, and uh, we still have the old original milk house, and of course, like I said, the old shop, which is the original house, and then we have uh, the farm, the new house. We've put a smaller modular home on there now. You were asking what we do with it, but the kids, the nephews, and everyone, we do have our little bonfires and get-togethers and hang out there, and we've got a deck built down by the river that they put up, and so we can go down there and have little picnics, and so it's just pretty much family, you know, and hang out. The boys hunt deer and turkeys, and my one nephew, he shot his first turkey about 12 or 13, and they, the toms run together. It went through one head and the other, so they got two shots, two turkeys with one shot. You know, it's just things like, you know, we all had enough with the farm and really enjoy the farm, and hopefully we'll do a little more gardening and some other things there. We're just kind of new trying to decide what we want to do with everything, and 
stuff like that. But mostly just want to enjoy it. So you said in the early years growing up, you remember the farm as being a home filled with love. And it sounds like that's kind of what it is today, too, when the family all gets together. Yeah. Yep. I just, um, when I go back, I will have a breakfast, especially with the boys, and we can just talk about the farm and over the years. And so, and we're very close to grandpa and everything, too. So they all instilled, it wasn't like somebody you saw once a month or something. We really saw our grandparents a lot and like that. Uh, the big thing was we did. When the economy and everything, why they would do maple syrup. We even had a shanty that we made maple syrup in the 20s, and then they come back and made it in the 50s. And that was always interesting to me because they would have around 200 maple trees, and it takes 40 gallons of sap to make one gallon of maple syrup. So you really have to think how much sap you collect and cook down before you get your maple syrup. So those were really uh it's fun to learn all that stuff. You don't just go in a store and buy everything, you know, that kind of thing. Grandpa always was trying new things, too. We made sorghum at one time, planted the cane, and then made sorghum. And we also had beehives, 40 or 50 beehives at one point. He liked to try new things. But the special remembrance is my grandpa. He had a lot of special words of wisdom and he used to say my brother would bring two friends and he'd say, well, one boy you get work out of, two boys you get half the work, and three boys you don't get any work at all. <laughs> and, and his last, and I wanted to leave a little bit with this, but his last thing he used to always say to us, if you have land, you have everything. And I think that's just so important. That's Rosemary Simonson, the fifth generation on her family's sesquicentennial farm called the Delbert Lynch Family Farm Trust, located in Greene County. I asked Rosie what's next for the farm. She says for now, they're just enjoying it together as a family. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.